Welcome to History of the Batman with London, where we relive the defining moments of one of the most iconic figures in comic book art and literature, the Batman. While History of the Batman always celebrates the caped crusader and his incredible mythology, I, your host London, also discuss other heroes in the DC universe that are historical themselves and have influenced the Dark Knight adventures over the years, such as Wonder Woman. December 2016 marks the 75th anniversary of the DC Comics icon Wonder Woman, debuting in All-Star Comics issue 8 from 1941. This past October, the United Nations appointed this female icon as an honorary ambassador for the empowerment to women and girls in support of the UN Sustainable Development Goal Number 5. I had the honor of hosting a Wonder Woman 75th anniversary panel titled A Retrospective and Icon at this past Stanley's Los Angeles Comic Con, just one week after Wonder Woman became an honorary ambassador. Myself and all of the wonderful panelists discuss why Wonder Woman remains a driving force for female equality and why her current presence on the big screen is an important image for young girls and women all over the world. Less than one month after this panel, the United Nations announced the retraction of Wonder Woman's ambassador title due to a petition protesting this figure as a role model for female empowerment, mainly due to her aesthetics and costume. Wonder Woman losing her ambassadorship this upcoming Friday is very disheartening for many creators and fans like myself in this community. If you weren't able to attend this panel in person, please listen in to this live discussion with Susan Eisenberg, Shannon Farnan, Kat Staggs, Mark Andreco, Albert Ching, and Christy Marston about what Wonder Woman represents, not just in visual media, but to different generations of fans and in the world today. There's never been a better time to celebrate Wonder Woman and learn about her greatness and true representation of equality. I hope you enjoy and thank you to everyone who listens in each week. Remember, it's all about Peace, love, and Batman. Can everyone hear me? Yes? Hi. Hello, everyone. I am London Jackson. I am the creator of History of the Batman and host of History of the Batman with London with Meltdown Comics. And today we are celebrating Wonder Woman. That's why you all are here. <laughs> 2016 is celebrating a lot of different characters that are celebrating their 75th anniversary, but Wonder Woman is a huge anniversary, and we have amazing panelists with us. We have Shannon Farnan, who was the original voice of Wonder Woman and Super Friends, the challenge of the Super Friends. We have Kat Staggs and Mark Andreco, who are the artist and writer on Wonder Woman 77 and Sensation Comics. We have Susan Eisenberg, who was the voice of Wonder Woman on Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, and Injustice. We have Christy Marston, who is the granddaughter of William Marston, the creator of Wonder Woman. And we have Albertine, who is the managing editor of ComicBookResources.com, and a huge Wonder Woman. So I first wanted to thank all of you guys for coming today. I am clearly a Wonder Woman fan myself. I came dressed sure? and ready. <laughs> and I think just to start off the panel, I wanted to just go across the board and ask you what is one word that you would use to describe Wonder Woman and why you would use that word? Anybody, anybody can start? Do you want me to start at my end? Yes. 
that, that's not fair, because by the time it gets to the other end, they'll be brilliant. <laughs> but we'll go with what we've got. I, I, have to, I would have to say cooperating with the entire world. That's not one word, so what will we call that? Harmony. Oh. <laughs> hmm. I could take the easy route and just say wonderful, but... Um, no. No. Um, God, yeah. Uh, groundbreaking is a good one, but um, I'd just say bold. I'd say potential, because she thinks everyone has the potential for greatness. She's a humanist first and wants to resolve things peacefully, so oh, I think, I think potential. That's not one word. Potential's one word. I had to explain it. I love it. Um, so I'm just going to say compassion because for me that, that resonated so compassion I'm going to keep it really simple and just say heroic yeah. I'd say iconic because it's a character that's so recognizable even just in culture in general and, and means so much to so many people in so many different ways Somewhere even better than just the one word. So I appreciate that. <laughs> um, recently celebrating the 75th anniversary at New York Comic Con, they released the Forever Stamps that shows a history of Wonder Woman on the U.S. Postal Stamps, which is amazing. You have them? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and also, recently last week, the, the U.N., they made Wonder Woman an honorary ambassador. <laughs> for the empowerment of women, which is incredible. And she's the first fictional character to even have that honor for the UN. And since it's her 75th anniversary, why do you think her emergence kind of back in the spotlight from this to even the Wonder Woman live action film is so important for young women today? And anyone can answer, if you like. Down the line again? Or whatever. Uh, it's about time. The world has been waiting for the appearance of many, many strong women, and the few that have arisen in the political world have been rather pushing on the masculine side to even get there, and having to use more masculine approaches, and to bring Wonder Woman in at this time, it's just her, it's, she's due. And that feeling of cooperation and love and peace that she's always represented is what the world needs now. I think there's a song about that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and I think, too, that uh, now that we're in an age of, I call it nostalgia porn, people, <laughs> people my age who grew up watching the Linda Carter show and watching Super Friends now have kids, and in some cases, grandkids. So to share that with them, and the rise of girl geek culture. Now, you know, they've always, you got, the girls have always been there, but now the girls are the more reliable engines of this stuff. You know, girls, girls are a great, loyal audience. You know, teenage boys don't go to movies anymore, but girls, you know, girls in there, look at the Twilight Saga. Look at the phenomenon that that was, or, or the Hunger Games. So now we have heroes that happen to be women. They're not just women heroes, so that's for everybody. The and, Ripley effect. Yeah, the Ripley, Ripley effect, yeah, absolutely. What was the question? No. Um, you know, I think that the fandom has played a huge part in it, and I think social media and allowing, giving the fans a voice on social media has been huge, and 
all of your voices get heard when you're buying things and when you're going to the movies and you're buying comic books. And I think that you've been so um, loud and clear in your desire for more Wonder Woman. And I think they're finally paying attention, which you know, it couldn't make me happier and I know it couldn't make anybody on this panel happier. And I think that little girls, not exclusively, but for this conversation, little girls have to see themselves. And whether it's in comic books or in the movies or in video games, they have to see their own image. And I think that the fact that Wonder Woman um, in a big feature film, or however, in the, the um, comic books, the fact that women and girls get to open up these pages and get to go to these movies and look up at the screen and see their own hero, um, I think that it's past time, and I think it's really you guys who made that happen. So, thank you. want to pick up right what Shannon said. It's about time. Wonder Woman has come back to the way she was created, what she was created for 75 years ago. And fans kicking back, reacting to things like what Mark and Kat have been doing, when Wonder Woman is doing the right thing, that's what's making it happen now. So keep on yelling for it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, picking up actually with you, Christy, since you are the granddaughter of the creator of Wonder Woman, from what you've seen over the last 75 years, what do you think about the character's evolution from her start in 1941 to today, either on film or in comics, just from having that kind of viewpoint of the character? I'm going to be very polite about this. <laughs> Wonder Woman is back. No, no. She's back where she belongs. She went astray for a long time, but she's back. Those diversions, some of them are just plain funny, but you could lose the entire character and the point behind her by diverting too much. Most Wonder Woman fans are fans because of the TV show with Linda Carter. Linda Carter was hired to portray Wonder Woman as she was originally written. So it wasn't like the 70s comics that were out there. These guys know because they write her that way all the time. Well, that's it's about taking it back to the beginning. That's what's fascinating. The reason that Linda's performance has been so groundbreaking for 40 years is if you go back and watch that show, she wasn't playing it like for camp. She wasn't playing it looking down her nose. She was playing it, she could have been playing Lady Macbeth. She could have been playing Helen Keller. She treated it as a role. And there was an elegance and uh, a responsibility that was done there that was so, even as a five-year-old, I remember feeling like, oh, I should listen to this woman because she's, and and she owned her own body. There was nothing cheesecakey or over-sexualized about her. It was... She was, just, she was just this paragon of inspiration to everybody. And one of the things about Wonder Woman that's different from a lot of the comic book heroes other than her gender is that she comes from a place of a lack of tragedy. Superman is an orphan from a planet that blew up. Batman's parents were killed. Peter Parker's uncle was killed. Wonder Woman was created from love. Her mother created her from clay and the gods willed her to life. So Wonder Woman comes from a place of... When I write her, when I, you know, I got to meet Linda Carter. We met her last year and she was even more amazing than you'd think. It's crazy, we were like in tears with her. Um, 
But Wonder Woman comes from a place of wanting everyone to be their best self. And I took a real responsibility after binge watching the show of making sure that she never uses physical violence unless it's the last resort. She would rather talk you down or extend a hand. The fist is the last thing, and that's so counterintuitive to what superheroes are fighting all the time. So she's this Amazon warrior who, is, as most great warriors do, don't use violence unless they absolutely have no other choice. And that's a challenge to write, because fights are easy to write. You know, writing, writing someone trying to solve a problem without violence is difficult, and more important than ever in today's world. We're so divided right now. You know, I can't wait for two weeks from now when all this is done. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, ultimately, we're all on this together, and Wonder Woman is about that. She wants to hug you and embrace you and include you, and that inclusiveness is a real rarity in comics, I think. She's the ultimate diplomat. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and just discussing the evolution from 1941, and then we get to see Wonder Woman really for the first time on TV, and... Shannon Farnan, you were the first to voice Wonder Woman, and <laughs> can you say "Great Hera" for us? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh Lord, <laughs> Great Hera! Oh. Awesome. I am five years old again. <laughs> She's five years old five again. Years old. <laughs> I know I should have a bowl of Captain Crunch in my PJs right now. Yeah. I know. Someone got some cookie crisp anywhere? <laughs> so when you were doing the role, were you familiar with the character before you started doing Super Friends? Did you I was, and if it doesn't get out of this room, I will tell you that I was created the same year Wonder Woman was created. Nice. Wow. Now I have to kill you. <laughs> no, I, I grew up with this comic book, and it was truly uh, the only thing out there. Can anybody else think of a woman that had all those qualities that was in a comic book? Or frankly, even in a book, you know, other, other than heroines from the... Uh, olden days. So for me, it was a huge responsibility to all of a sudden be asked to create this role and to let this person come alive. And so, uh, yeah, I took it very seriously. What was it like creating the voice and the persona since you, you were before even Linda Carter? So where, where did the inspiration come from to make the way that Wonder Woman sounds. Where did that come from? I was even before Linda Carter. <laughs> uh, when it, I worked with the director on this at Hanna-Barbera, and uh, the very first direction he gave me, probably in the first show, was, okay, Shannon, take off your shirt, waist, dress, and put on your boots. And that sort of developed from there. And we had our own iterations of the voice of Wonder Woman for a while, but finally got into the happy medium. So. Uh, what was it like working with the other voice actors that kind of created this Justice League? That, that was, uh, in my case, uh, Susan did the Justice League, but I did Challenge of the Super Friends and Super Friends. And that was the awesome part of this job. I worked with some of the most talented people Superman, Batman, Robin, and Wonder Woman characters also had guests that would come in as Aquaman and, 
and Flash and you name it. That was huge, could be a huge cast of characters. And a well-known actor in our business is, is Frank Welker. And I think every job I ever did, Frank Welker was on the job, doing one or more of the voices. And we all had to do at least three, or we were contracted to do at least three per show. But the treat for me was being in this limitless acting opportunity. No holes barred. You couldn't go over the top. They'd always bring you back. And that was really... Uh, Did you get to work with Ted Knight? Of course. <laughs> That's so awesome. He was the first narrator. Well, you know, you hear now in, with animation, people have the studios in their home and they don't actually, they're never actually there together. Back in the no. day, having you all be in there like an old radio play must have been insane. We were, except on, on occasion, if we also had another gig, then of course we could go in on our own and do the recording. But that was the joy of this, to be, have a big studio and all these microphones you're standing at and Danny Dark holding his ear and talking. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just a wonderful training ground. Do you have a favorite memory of Voice One or even a favorite episode or something that you remember fondly about your time as Wonder Woman? Oh, that's, that's too hard. <laughs> I mean, I really, I just enjoyed the work and it, it just every year it kept coming back and it was lovely. I, I just don't have, I, I worked with such funny people too. Michael Bell, who's at the uh, convention this week, I mean, these people I worked with were not just good actors. They are amazing people. So it was just a memorable experience for me. So after the Super Friends, then we do have Linda Carter's Wonder Woman, which I think was the groundbreaking for that character as well. And, um, and Kat and Mark, you work on the Wonder Woman 77 comic. So you said earlier that you binge watched the series. And when you were approached with this project for DC, kind of, how did you go about it? Was it just? Well, I actually had um, been reading the Batman 66 comic book. And I met with uh, Hank Canals, who was in charge of Vertigo and DC Digital. And I'm like, why aren't you doing Wonder Woman 77? And he said, that's a good idea. And then six months later, I got an email saying, we're doing Wonder Woman 77. I said, who's we? They said, you. I said, okay, because if you didn't let me do it, I would be coming after you. I actually, had a, I actually had a similar conversation with Hank. When Batman 66 came out, I said, if you do Wonder Woman, I'm on this book. I don't care what I have to do, I'm doing it. So, yeah, I had the same conversation. And it was, and it was lovely. It was, you know, the, the first issue I did, we, did a, we set it at Studio 54, not officially. So it was all the 70s. You can look like the village people are in the background and Sonny and Sharon. She's fighting, Sil <laughs> she's fighting Silver Swan at a disco. So we got to use comic book characters in the context of the show because they didn't, you know, if you go back and watch the Wonder Woman show, the first season was all Nazis. The second two seasons were the occasional alien and mostly gangsters. Mm -hmm. So they didn't have the budget to bring in Silver Swan or Dr. Psycho or Giganta. Mm -hmm. So we got to envision what would the 70s versions of those characters look like. And I don't know if you heard, but it was just announced Jeff Parker and I are co-writing. It'll be online. It'll be digital in November and then in print starting in January. Batman 66 meets Wonder Woman 77. Yes! Amazing. And I'll give you a couple minor spoilers. It's going to be six issues. Alex Ross did the first variant cover, and it is... It's gorgeous. It, it is, is amazing. <laughs> um, and Mike Allred is doing the regular covers, but the first two issues take place in the first season of Wonder Woman in 1944, so it's Nazis and 12-year-old Bruce Wayne in the USO. The second two issues take place in the 60s uh, with with um, they're on Paradise Island, and then the last two issues take place in 77 when Batman's retired. 
So we're going, and we're using all three cat women. We're using, but we're not, cha- we're, not we're not acknowledging it. It's just like Darren on Bewitched. There's, she's Eartha Kitt here. She's Lee Merriweather here. She's, she's uh, Julie Newmar there. So, but it's, it's super fun. We're having a blast doing it. And it's going to be the TV version of Rachel Ghoul. One little villain. quick aside. We need to encourage Alex Ross to publish a gorgeous book he did that I voiced for him called The Spirit of Truth. Oh, yeah. It's a gorgeous book. It's a beautiful story. And it takes Wonder Woman from her island of Themyscira into the world. It's just beautiful. So encourage him to do that. (laughs) And if you haven't bought it yet, Jill Thompson has an original Wonder Woman graphic novel out called The One True Amazon that she painted and worked on for six years. And it's a different interpretation, more of a fairy tale interpretation of Wonder Woman's origin. It's appropriate for all ages and every panel is a watercolor painting and it is exquisite. It shows how great Wonder Woman is and that you can reinterpret her origin and focus on different things and still be faithful to the core of that character. Definitely. And I don't get any money from that. That's just a good book. So. <laughs> so, Kat, you've worked on um, Sensation Comics, which is One Woman and One Woman 77, and you've also done um, Adventures of Supergirl and, and Superman, and when you are drawing this character, since she's been drawn by many artists throughout mm-hmm. the years, so when you were crafting the look of this character, some artists draw her very strong, and others, like, they want to keep the kind of feminine softness to it, mm-hmm. so what were your inspirations in trying to mold the visual look of Wonder Woman? Um, for 77, I mean, it was already there. Right. Getting to draw Linda Carter was right. a blast. Um, uh, when I did Sensation, um, I I am, because it was like um, an issue when I was growing up, I find it very important uh, to let women have muscle tone. Um, it was always frowned upon or made fun of when I was growing up. So I, um, I purposely give her some muscle tone without making her look like Batman, like a linebacker. But, you know, I mean, um, I She's think She's been drawn that way before, too. I think it's... Yes, yeah. she has. I, I think it's just as important as showing the feminine. Um, I think while she can walk into a room and command it just with um, the diplomat side of her... I think she also should be able to walk into a room and command it just by her presence, like Superman. Um, So when I get a chance to do Wonder Woman pieces outside of things like 77, I I make a point to to make her visibly strong as well as, you know, personality. Keep that up. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. So when you and Mark are on the Wonder Woman 77 book and now with Wonder Woman becoming even more popular due to her anniversary and Gal Gadot's version in the live action, how important is it for people to see the Wonder Woman 77 comic alongside maybe Greg Rucka's comic and to know that part of Wonder Woman? Because for many, we know Linda Carter is Wonder Woman. Well, I think Linda Carter was the gateway drug for most people in the right. Wonder Woman. I mean, I mean because... No, I agree. You know, there's really no other way of putting it. There's so many people. You talk to people of a certain age and it's all, you know, kids today are spoiled. We have, you have a $200 million superhero movie coming out every weekend, it seems like. 
when I was six years old, we had Batman reruns, The Hulk, and Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the reruns would go off and on. You would, you know, so we were like, those were like oasis in the desert. And, yeah, and that was pre-VCR. Yeah, pre-VCR. I mean, so, yeah, that was when, oh, Wizard of Oz is on. It must be Thanksgiving. You know, yes. that, that, you know. <laughs> When, I, when we we were dinosaurs to school, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But but there's a there's a thing about there's a thing about that that you know for 40 years Linda has been the torchbearer. It's been the that's Wonder Woman. Right. And when you consider the quality of television back then, it was groundbreaking that, that she portrayed a character with such reality to it and and such joy. I mean, you, you watch those shows and the pacing is different because it was 40 years ago. They're a little slower than we're used to now with Cross. But you watch her performance and you just you just feel like you're safe. And she's and and there's just an elegance there. And it's like I, you know, Kat and I have discussed this. We feel a real responsibility to do right by Linda. Because she, for 40 years, before it was popular to be comic books, has always been very pro-girl, very pro-empowerment, and very, and taken the role very, very, very seriously. And, and she just sets a tone that we hope we can do that. You know, when we met her, we, she, um, Linda does, um, is a singer. And every year she does a jazz tour, and she starts in L.A. and ends up at Lincoln Center. And we went and saw her, and she performed for 90 minutes. She covered the Talking Heads and uh, Amy Winehouse and Miami Sound Machine. It was crazy. And we met her, and we met her afterwards, and it was like having a meeting with the Pope. Yeah, <laughs> You know, I was just like, how are you 70 years old and you're... You, you, your age, maybe you are made of clay. You know? I, I, I actually could not speak. I, I got, I just, I froze. And it was, it was our editor on mm-hmm. 77 that like literally pushed me into her, basically. It was just like, you know, she's like, you gotta see her tattoo. And she was like, spins me around. And I'm like, great. And then Linda Carter grabs my arm and is like, I need a facelift. And so, <laughs> which I basically died at that point. And then, you know, she proceeded to spin me around, put her head on my shoulder, take a picture, and I don't remember anything after Oh, yeah, that. she grabbed my hands and said, thank you for doing this comic book. And I'm like, you're Wonder Woman. I was like, crying. I'm like, oh, thank you. But I, I actually, um, like Mark, Linda and Susan were my Wonder Woman growing up. That, that's who I, that's who I had. And um, I have started the next generation and my 22 month old can say Wonder Woman already. Yeah. <laughs> she, she um, met her. I, yeah. She can. She can. <laughs> and she is now figuring out how to do this and um, <laughs> she she will wait, like the other morning she woke up and she was like Wonder Woman and so we had to put it on. She watches Linda Carter. She loves it. Um, I've, I've pulled out Super Friend episodes, and every time Wonder Woman come on, she's like, Wonder Woman. When I was so, five, I spun around so much, hoping to change my clothes. <laughs> I think I gave myself nosebleeds just spinning around. She spins all the time. A friend of ours sent her a costume, actually, and um, we pulled it out of the box, and we showed it to her. And the second she saw it, she did this, and then she tried to spin into it, which was hysterical. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I agree. Linda Carter. It was sh- um, Shannon Farnan's one woman, and then Linda Carter, and then sorry. for I'm sorry. <laughs> and in between that time, from Linda Carter to even 
Gal Gadot now, we had Susan Eisenberg's Wonder right. Woman in, in, in Justice League. And I really think she was the Wonder Woman that many were introduced to, that I was introduced to, and it was almost as if there was a drought of sorts for Wonder Woman from Linda Carter to now. And so, Susan, what was it like to bring back that voice? Because for a lot of people, like I said, you were the introduction to Wonder Woman in Justice League. Well, you don't... When I started doing it, which was 2001, you don't have a sense that you're bringing back anything. You don't look at it like that. I mean, you, I was an actor, a voiceover actor. I got a job. And it was intimidating and scary and exhilarating and thrilling because I knew I was voicing her. And I knew I was working with Bruce Timm and Andrea Romano. But I didn't quite understand the gravity of that until after the show had been over for a while and I met the fans and I've heard from all the fans through social media and through the cons how much the show has meant to them and how much the um, characters meant to them and that it was their introduction to a lot of these characters so I you know that could not be more gratifying on so many levels I grew up with Linda Carter um, so she was my idea of Wonder Woman and then to hear from people that they know Wonder Woman through me. I mean, there's just nothing more humbling and gratifying in my professional career. I mean, that's just been magnificent. And we get paid, too. <laughs> you get paid? <laughs> A little. Okay. <laughs> From the Wonder Woman that you portray, do you see that in the current Wonder Woman, whether in the comics or in the live-action film, or is it a mixture of yours and Linda Carter's and the Super Friends Wonder Woman? Do you see the, the essence that you brought to that character in the current Wonder Woman in other media? Yeah, because I think if I think for all the creators, I mean, most of the creators have a hopefully have a sense of her core, and they do it justice, if you will, <laughs> you know, and respect it. I mean, I think you have to respect the history. You have to respect who she represents. She's more than a bustier. She's more than a lasso. Um, you know, she's all these things we said earlier. You know, she's um, she how she was created and why she was created. So. I know that for me, I, I've played her in several different projects, so it really depends on the person you're working for. So if I'm working for Bruce Timm, it's, it's his idea of her and Andrea Romano's idea. And then if I'm doing DCU online game, it's different, or Injustice. Um, so it, it depends on the project, but at the core of who Wonder Woman is, hopefully that gets translated from project to project to project to project. And so when I see Gal with her lasso and, you know, her spinning, and when I look at the comic books and I see her, whether it's 77 or Greg Rucka or the Rebirth, I mean, sh there she is. There's our girl. That's my reaction when I see her. There's our girl. <laughs> and so these questions are going to be for the entire panel. And I, sh I know some of you have already touched upon it, but what is your first memory of Wonder Woman, it, whether it was comics or the TV or that kind of made you say, oh, that's, I really like that character. Yes. Albert. Well, Albert, yes. <laughs> Hello. Um, yeah, no, I definitely think it was, uh, yeah, repeats of the Linda Carter show. Um, but, you know, it's interesting, Wonder Woman, much like 
you know, Batman, Superman, these other uh, major superheroes that, you know, they exist even outside of the fictional characters, right? They have lives of their own that even if you don't really know much about Wonder Woman, the character or what she really does or her personality, that you recognize that symbol. And I think even before that, I knew that Wonder Woman existed and was representative of something cool. And even if, you know, without knowing a lot about the character. And I think that's, you know, part of the the power of that character. And the cool thing is that now I feel like the character, after all these years, is finally getting more of her due and being placed more in a position like Batman Superman, where we're all seeing just, you know, more stuff, you know, that we would want to see for the character, more comics, obviously live action movies. And uh, so that's really neat. Your first exposure. How did you first get exposed to Wonder Woman? Okay. At the dinner table? (laughs) Bingo. When uh, I was like three years old, this is my most common memory of Wonder Woman. We lived in Bethel, Connecticut. My grandmother, who was Wonder Woman, lived in the city. We'd go down and visit. I'd run in, say hi to Graham, do all those kind of things, and spend the entire rest of the day laying on her bed reading Graham's bound copies of the original Wonder Woman books. But Wonder Woman and Graham are just one and the same person. It's like she wasn't just a role model, Graham was Wonder Woman. So there's my first memory, like you said, at the dinner table. Well, I guess my first introduction was, of course, Linda Carter, because that's my age group, so that's how I was exposed to her. And then, of course, walking into the to the studio um, at Warner Brothers and meeting Bruce Timm for the first time and Andrea Romano and Bruce Timm giving me the drawing that, if you've ever seen the Justice League, I saw what she looked like in the Justice League. And, um, you know, I was very excited and giddy and terrified. And so that was my first official meeting with her and then being told what they wanted for the voice and then having the extraordinary um, pleasure of of being able to give her voice for for that entire series. So, yeah, that was it. Mine is kind of a bleeding of both the Wonder Woman TV show and the Super Friends cartoon. I remember, you know, waking up at eight in the morning on Saturdays and watching, you know, going to watch the cartoons. And it was, thank you for saying, Great Hera. You have no idea what, (laughs) that brought me back so far. It was amazing. And then the Linda Carter, the original theme song. It was like one of the best theme songs ever, you know, and the the opening credits that were the animation and then the reel. So that was the, the two, they kind of bled in together for me there. My daughter actually can sing the Linda, the Linda Carter thing. In her satin tights, fighting for our rights. Yeah, Those are great shoot. lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> Kat, um, you, Kat, you should give everyone your, um, your Twitter, uh, all of that stuff, so they can yeah, see just, her just daughter. my name at Twitter. it's <laughs> delicious to see yeah. this little girl, this little baby, in her Wonder Woman attire and being able to say the words. Tomorrow, she will be wearing Wonder Woman attire. Right. So, Halloween. For any fan out there, it's yummy. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, for me, um, like Mark, I'm not sure. I'm not sure which came first, the Power Records, the Super Friends, or the or Linda Carter. It all kind of was a. I don't actually remember her not being there. So I, my mother, my mother grew up reading Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, and so 
I always, they were always around. So I don't really remember. She, she gave us stuff from like early, early on. I had a Wonder Woman bathing suit when I was um, two or three years old. So I don't remember her not being there. I also remember there was a, a Sea World where I grew up yes. in Ohio, and they had a, sea, a superhero DC superhero water ski stunt show. Because why not? <laughs> um, and yeah. and being six years old and watching Wonder Woman fight the cheetah on water skis in a yeah. stagnant lake was yeah. super cool as a kid. We we our grandparents took us to. Florida. We saw it in Florida. Same show. Yeah, you can find pictures yeah. of it online with them all standing in a pyramid yeah. water skiing together. It's... And mine was the DC Comics cartoon book. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what we grew up with, comics. Mm-hmm. I was born, they didn't even have television. Mm-hmm. So Linda Carter had to wait. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, uh, that was part, that and Paper Dolls. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Where's a paper doll book for her 75th anniversary? That would be we awesome. Need, we need a Wonder Woman paper doll. Like I will ages. gladly draw one. Hey, girl. <laughs> Let's do it. Girl. I mean, that's, that, that, that type of growing up, and I also grew up in an entertainment family, but the, uh, that's how you, you created everything. You did it with your hands or your reading, and, and everything just bloomed from there. So I, I, I just... Literally grew up with Wonder Woman. <laughs> so going to the current, where we are now with Wonder Woman, what are your thoughts on Gal Gadot and Patty Jenkins' Wonder Woman and the upcoming film? What Do you like the portrayal of Wonder Woman? Is it May yet? <laughs> you know, you know, um, what, or what we've I'm seen, there. the short part in Dawn of I'm Justice. There. What's really amazing about that is... Um, uh, I'm working on a book, to, a charity book for the victims of the Pulse Massacre in Orlando yes. that'll be out on December 21st. Um, Kat's part of it. Uh, it's 144 pages. All Every dime goes to charity. DC and IDW are co-publishing it. It's Everybody's donated everything. It's got Matt Bomer, Morgan Spurlock, Brian Bendit. I mean, there's one name that we hope to announce in December that will freak everybody out. But I got to meet Patty through that because Patty Jenkins, before she did Wonder Woman, did a movie called Monster about Eileen Warnos. That's amazing if you're of a certain age and it's not for kids. But that takes place in Orlando. So she wrote the introduction for this Orlando benefit book we're doing. And I got to talk to her. And um, I met her briefly at Comic-Con. And then I just tweeted to her. It looks like it was worth waiting 75 years for a movie. And then she direct messaged me and said, I've got Wonder Woman 77 on my nightstand. And I was like, no, you don't. <laughs> and so we become friends. And she reads the comic books. She reads all, knows all the cartoons. She has done all her due diligence. And she is, she is a lovely woman and an amazing director. And she takes it very seriously. This isn't just a job for her. This is, it's going to, it's, it's so, and Gal as well, I mean, are just, it's just crazy. And to have a woman doing the first feature film of Wonder Woman is going to is just so it, it's representation it's like you said you know it, it is going to inspire so many people and the fact that they do they're doing it in World War 1 it seems like this can't be real because they're making all the right choices <laughs> and yeah i think i think i think it's going to change it's going to change the landscape in hollywood because we're going to see how strong the girl audience is you know for years you couldn't get black widow action figures and then dc's done that um, dc superhero high school and it's those things those things sold those things i walked i remember when they weren't packing them at target i walked by and I'm like i should get one of those for my, my my friend. Um, uh, 
and then I walked back and they were gone. There, and so the girl audience is there. Now they know, once, once people know there's money to be made, they make this stuff. And now the girl audience is there and it's so gratifying to see because you know representation is everything. And we now have a exotic Wonder Woman who has an accent who's not just this Caucasian woman. She's, she feels like she's got this from another world. And it's just so gratifying to see. And we have a guy playing the girlfriend. We have Chris Pine playing, you know, the Kim Basinger and Batman character, which is awesome. <laughs> you know, I think I think it's gonna. Be, I can't like like Kat said. I can't wait for that to open. I, I it's it's gonna it's gonna change everything for a lot of people, and it's just so gratifying to see that she's finally coming into her due. I'm 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 also a little inside baseball. I'm also hoping that the success of it because we know we're all gonna go see it what like 20 times, right? <laughs> so I'm hoping the success of it with Patty behind the camera in the chair shows Hollywood that there are, that women are actually capable of making these kinds of movies, or just movies in general. <laughs> They're capable of directing a movie. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that it, it doesn't just spawn off into making more movies featuring female leads, that it also spawns off into letting women behind the camera. We're starting to see that. They just announced uh, for Netflix that all the directors of season two of Jessica Jones are going to be female. Yes. yes. Which is fantastic. Yes, is. You know, it's, it's really great. It's, yeah. It's like women have eyes and, create, and creativity, too. We can, um, we can tell stories. So. And last question before I open it up to the floor, if anyone has questions. After 75 years, why do you personally think that Wonder Woman is still an icon? And she will continue to be an icon, I think, for the next 75 years. So why do you think she's the character she is today and revered as such as an icon? I'll start there. I feel that the universe, this is getting a little esoteric here, but you can bear with me, is bringing in the feminine aspect into the world in many, many arenas, and that's iconic and heading toward a balance, basically. There's been an awful lot of aggression through all time, and this could be the balance we've been waiting for. Yeah, a female president and a Wonder Woman movie in the same year, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 think, um, I think the reason she stuck around so long, um, I think it's a little bit of a share effect. I think, like Christy was talking about earlier, that the, you know, she kind of ebbed and flowed with the time, but she was always there, and she kind of went with what everyone was doing, and now you know, is, is coming back full force again. Um, I, think, I think the version we're getting now is ex the exact version we need for this particular moment in time. And I think that's, that's kind of, I think that's kind of happened all the way through. Um, so that's, that's... And there, there, are, there are mythology. There are Greek gods. There are the yeah. stories that, you know, um, 10,000 years ago we'd be sitting around cave paintings talking about these characters. Mm -hmm. These characters have now in a world that's so fractionalized now, we know more people than ever on our phone, but we have so much less interaction with real human beings. It's something that we all share, and there's something about that. There's, you know, it's why people go to movies, it's why people go to Comic-Cons, it's because you're with a group of people that all have the shared interest. And there's nothing more exciting than, like, you know, when I saw the trailer at Comic-Con, you're in a room with a thousand people and everybody, you could watch a, you could hear a pin drop, they're all just 
that shared zeitgeist experience, it bonds us in a way that we don't get very often. And to have these characters finally, that they've been around so long, that there are multiple generations that have the iteration, as you can see on the stage. Mm -hmm. you know, so it's, it's so gratifying that you know, we, we like to share our mythology with people and to see grandmothers with their granddaughters and all sharing, they all have their own Wonder Woman. It's just, it's just amazing. And it's a privilege to be able to write these. I pinch myself all the time. It's just like, you know, whenever I get bummed out, I'll be like, wait a minute. I'm going to be, I'm, I'm immortal because I wrote some Wonder Woman stories. You know, the voices, these, 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 we're going to be, this is going to be around so much longer after we're forgotten mm -hmm. that to be a part of that, to contribute to that, mm -hmm. there's nothing better. It, it's such a privilege. And Mark, let me create, let me create a villain. Yeah, we created an original villain for the TV show. So, you know, maybe in, fun. maybe in the fifth sequel, we'll, we'll get a little <laughs> money for it. Huh? Right. Yeah. <laughs> How are we with time? Because I just want to make sure there's enough time for the audience oh, to ask yeah. questions. Are we okay? Yeah, we have a few. Yeah, we can take a few questions. So, I mean, do you? I mean, you you can answer the have... question, but I think people would rather ask questions and hear me. As far as why Wonder Woman is around right, right now, it still resonates, and why she's so critical. I think it's because her ideals are the same ideals that all of the Wonder Woman fans share. Wonder Woman fans tend, to, they're from all over the place, the most diverse group I've ever seen. And they all share that one common thing, just being good people. That's what it is that keeps her alive. Because people love that, respect that, want to be that. So why wouldn't she live forever? I think that stems from her, like Mark was saying, it stems from her coming from love and not tragedy. Exactly. Good values. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, uh, those qualities were unique then, 75 years ago, among superheroes then, and they're still unique now. Like, it's not like that's a formula that we've seen repeated. And, you know, part of why Wonder Woman endorses is obviously history, right? Because it is one of the first superheroes, but also there were other superheroes in that era who haven't endured because they weren't as good characters and the fact that Wonder Woman is unique. And I also think that Wonder Woman's in a very interesting position because unlike a lot of other Character, big characters of that period, you know, we haven't been inundated with a bunch of Wonder Woman material. And I think there's just still potential for the character to get even bigger, as famous as she is now. I mean, not only do I think the movie next year is going to be transformative for Hollywood, I think it's going to be transformative for the character. It's going to, even more people are going to get to really know about the character and, uh, and what she does and what she's all about. And that's uh, super exciting. And one last thing about Wonder Woman that's awesome, if you haven't heard me talk too much already. Um, most of the female superheroes we have are ancillary to male heroes. Supergirl, Batgirl, Spider-Woman. Wonder Woman is Wonder Woman. She's not defined or spun off. And a lot of those characters are great. I mean, Batgirl, Oracle has become a great character and all that. But Wonder Woman is probably the only female superhero out there, with, except before the X-Men, that's her own universe. Okay, we can take a couple of questions. Patty and Gal remembered that, and we met, and it was a beautiful moment. Like everyone stuck, rallied around this kid. And I, I, I didn't see him this year, but the look in his eyes, I was crying back to my seat. He just yeah. smiled from ear to ear. It's funny the the Sensation comic story that I did. Um, my wife Amanda Dybert wrote, and 
that's what it ended up being. There was a story with her, um, um, there was like a Wonder Woman battle story and then when it ended, uh, it, it pulled back to an iPad and it was a bunch of kids reading uh, the comic and there was one kid like they were making fun of because he liked Wonder Woman. But we had Wonder Woman show up <laughs> and say, you can like whatever you want. Mm. And, and then she kissed him and everybody was like, oh my God, you got kissed by Wonder Woman. <laughs> so, you know, so that's the exact story you're talking about. I got a point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, um, it might, it might not be a Wonder Woman related, but in Japan they have, in Japan they have a, a equivalent of Wonder Woman in, in a show called Sailor Moon. Thank you. Thank you. Have you guys, have you, have you, have you, have you uh, anybody familiar with that? Yeah. When, it, when they first did in the 40s. Um, this is for you, Christy. Like, what do you remember as far as what your grandfather had to deal with presenting this character at, at a time where um, it wasn't a woman's world then? My grandfather was dead before I was born, so I don't know him. My grandmother, however, did stay around for 100 years, so I knew her very well. And it was just... It was just the way it is and the way it should be. It wasn't like it was a big deal. It's like, yes, you realize that the world is more than a little bit twisted and it needs a little help sometimes. But it was just really a matter of just doing the right thing. You take one more question and you right in the front. Yes. Forever. Forever. <laughs> Forever. Forever. That's the perfect way to end this panel. <laughs> so thank you to the panelists for coming on and celebrating Wonder Woman. I appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Go Cubs. <laughs> <laughs>